You're listening to the Creekside Church Message Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor George, which comes from our sermon series, Gather Together. For more information, please visit our website at www.creekside.org. Well, hey, good morning, everyone. Those lights are brighter today than usual. Uh, I want to welcome each and every one of you. I want to welcome those watching online. Hannah, you're watching. Uh, Tammy, uh, Brenda, uh, Trina, uh, who else? TJ, you're watching. Eric, you're watching online with us. Uh, I think Anna, Anna's watching online with us because she's not here today. Um, uh, there's so many of you watching online. We love you. We, we're with you. Uh, can we let those in-house know that we love those online by making some noise? And normally you hear me yell, Pat P, uh, and point at the camera, but I don't have to today because Pat P's here! <laughs> Pat P! You are probably the most faithful or one of the most faithful online watchers, but now you get to be here in person. We're blessed. <laughs> Pat P. Hey, um, I don't know if you guys noticed this, but uh, today is the first day in a four-part series we're going through, and uh, we have a little gift for you. It's in your bulletin. It's called a note sheet. <laughs> they are excited about it because they probably draw pictures on it. But uh, no, this is for you, and uh, Lori wanted me to tell you that it's in there the first Sunday, and if uh, subsequent Sundays, you can pick one up at our Guest Central right over there. Uh, you can get more notes every week that you come in for this series. Uh, pretty handy dandy. So, and yes, I just used that terminology. Listen, our world, and I want to preface uh, before we get into our world is divided more than ever. You, you don't have to be a scientist or a, you know, a researcher to, to figure this out. Our world is more divided than ever. Everyone struggles, every one of us in this room, struggles against some form of discouragement and isolation, right? And when Christ followers, when Christians isolate, it scares me because this is what happens. Our church loses and our community loses. When Christians isolate, our community loses and our church loses. And I'm, I'm here to tell whoever is willing to listen that it's time to gather again. It's time to gather together again. It's time to gather again with, with Jesus' message of hope, with Jesus' message of healing, with Jesus' love that he has for people. It's time to gather again with others with unity in our hearts. Because what we're going to discover, and what you probably already know to some degree, that life is difficult. Am I just preaching to myself today? Life is difficult. Life for many is confusing. Life for many could be frustrating. But to know that you have a place to gather together. To know that you have a place to go and be lifted up and, and, or to be challenged or to be loved in order to keep moving in faith every week, that is absolutely a gift. 
that I hope that we would all see that this time together is not a have to. It's a gift that we get to. We get to do this. I invite you to bow your heads to pray with me this morning. Father, I pray that as we go through the next few weeks that the elements that we talk about, Father, the topics that we talk about will bring us together in your name, in the name of Jesus. Father, in a world filled with discouragement, let us find encouragement through the relationships and the fellowship that we have with others who call Christ their Savior. Father, I pray that you spur us on to the love and good works you have called us to, and not just called us to, but you have equipped us for. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And the church said? Hey, listen, friends, today we begin a, a, a new series on gathering together. It's based on one or two simple verses. We'll get to that in a second. But a new series on gathering together. So if you're here today, if you're watching online, guess what? You're already headed in the right direction. You are overachievers, which I appreciate. To begin, I want to ask you this question. What do you know about solitary confinement? What do you know about solitary confinement? It's interesting that solitary confinement, or some have called it uh, administrative segregation, is often used in prisons as a way to further discipline unruly or dangerous inmates. Now, in a study covering the effects of solitary confinement in an article published by the American uh, Psychological Association, it was reported that Deprived of normal human interaction, many segregated prisoners reportedly suffer from mental health problems, including anxiety, panic, insomnia, paranoia, aggression, and depression. The article goes on to say, evidence of these effects come as no surprise. While it borders on being common sense, but it's common sense with a lot of empirical, uh, empirical research that supports it so much this is what so much of what we do and so much of who we are is rooted in a social context so much of who we what we do and who we are is rooted in a social context see you don't you don't need extensive extensive research or you know, data studies to understand the adverse effects of being alone. Of being alone. Of feeling alone. And it's so weird that the adverse effects of being alone are so severe that we use them and impose them as discipline on criminals. And with that in mind, what's shocking to me is we have so many of us willing to choose. We have willingly chosen to live our lives 
in isolation, separated from other people. I'm not talking the pandemic and the mandate. So many of us chosen isolation and cut ourselves off from other people. What are we missing when we do that? If so much of what we do and who we are is rooted in a social context, then who are we apart from those things? What mental, what physical, what emotional, and what spiritual benefits are we missing out on not connecting with other people, isolating ourselves. Over the next few weeks, I, I, I hope to address some of these questions. And I believe that gathering together is powerful. And God does some mighty things in the context of gathering together. Not only is it powerful, but even more so, and more importantly, gathering together is biblical. I believe that one of the most important reasons that we collectively get together like this, one of the most important reasons that we really encourage you and challenge you to get involved in small groups is because when we gather together, people are encouraged. You have an opportunity to love and be loved, to encourage and be encouraged. See, encouragement is one of those things that we all need from time to time. And I think some of us in-house and watching online, we are in desperate need of it at this moment. The writer of Hebrews said this in this way. By the way, how many of you guys brought your Bible? Come on. We're getting there. We believe in this so much, we've created a, an all-church campaign where all of our small groups are going to be centered around, guess what? The Bible. We're going to read out of Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25. Now, your translation, whoops, may be a little different than mine, uh, but we have a unified translation up on the screen. It says this, And let us consider, uh, consider how we may do what, church? Now, if you're visiting with us, when you see something bolded and underlined, that is your invitation to read along with me. Um, so uh, we, he's challenging us, let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up what? As some are in the habit, and we'll get to that word in a minute, of doing, but doing what? Encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. Now you may have noticed from this passage that the way we encourage each other and spur one another on towards love and good deeds is by what? Gathering together. Gathering together. Let me ask you this. Have you ever tried to encourage yourself all by yourself? <laughs> Looked in the mirror? High-fived yourself? <laughs> sang your own praises? How difficult is it to encourage yourself? Some might, might call this self-talk maybe positive thinking. 
And, and listen, I, I do believe that there is a time and place, an actual time and place when you really don't have access to other people, that this can take place, but there is something deeply transformative, something deeply life-changing and powerful about being a part of a group committed to encouraging one another, encouraging one another towards a common goal. Just think about your favorite sport team or, uh, you know, how no matter how many years the Raiders have had a losing season, (laughs) we still bleed silver and black and we put up with all the 49er fans. Good luck against the Eagles. But, you know, you take your favorite sports team. You are committed. You are sold out. It doesn't matter if you know this person or you speak the same language. When you see that jersey, when you see that hat, there's an instant bond, is there not? Maybe you've gone through some addiction recovery. And you know how valuable and transformative and powerful that group is because you need that group. Maybe you've served or participated in a, in a youth fundraiser to send kids to camp. A common goal. We're going to do this. Let's make this happen. Let's raise all the money we can because we don't want any student to have to pay for camp this year. Maybe even a Creekside small group that you've been part of. Maybe it's a serving team on Team Creekside you've been part of. You know the power and the encouragement that comes from being part of a, a group of people that have a common goal where you can encourage one another. I want to sh- invite or uh, introduce you to one of my friends, Andrew Gruppe, who's going to kind of speak into this a little bit. My name is
that's just a little behind the curtain peek of, uh, of someone's life who is engaged in, in Creekside Church. And I love this because the reality is if you bookend your life with relationship and serving as a Christ follower, I think you become a little, uh, uh, I don't know how to grammatically say this correctly, a little more impervious to the attacks of the enemy. Is that, I said that right, babe? All right. You become a little, and when, and I always said, you want to feel connected in any community of faith that you're part of, build relationships and serve. And we just saw that in the life of Andrew Grupe. Thank you, Andrew. Are you here today? There you are. He didn't know that was happening. (laughs) So what do we do based on this passage that we read today, this scripture? I think the first thing we need to do, and if you're taking notes, write this now, we need to spur one another on. Spur one another on. So what exactly does spur mean? What does it mean to spur one another on towards love and good deeds? First of all, we need to deal with the word spur. The only other time that this word is used is in Acts chapter 15. It's in the New Testament, Acts chapter 15, verse 39, when Paul and Barnabas, and you may be familiar with this, they, they had a sharp disagreement. They were arguing. And the end result was that they separated from each other in the mission work that they were doing. Now, Strong's Concordance defines the word as uh, incitement to, you know, to do good or dispute as a result of some anger or contention. The point here being that spurring someone on towards love and good deeds is not a passive action. It's not a passive action, but it's a very intentional, purposeful, passionate action to spur somebody on towards love and good deeds. It's kind of like if you've ever seen you know, one of those uh, cowboys and you, they're, they're, you know, they, they wear spurs. And they wear spurs for a reason. It's to, to spur and to dig in and, and kick the side of a horse to get it to do what? To move. To go. And if you understand that, then you have a, a good idea of what's going on in this passage. As Christ followers, as Christians, we we need to move towards Christ-centered love. And we need, the result of that is this good work that, that, that God has equipped us for and called us to. That all points back to Him. We also need to help others avoid the drift into a stagnant life of faith. Isolated from the community, it can be far too easy to grow complacent, far too easy to grow disillusioned with the convenience and the chaos of the world that we live in today as we know it. We need some good spurring. It's too easy to get discouraged, and it's too uh, dangerous of a journey to walk this life alone. We need to spur one another on. And as we do that, I want to encourage you not to give up. Don't give up. 
See, life is a marathon. It's not a 200-yard dash. There will be long stretches of, of relative ease and relative enjoyment followed by, and we all know this, some adversity, maybe some hopelessness, uh, moments of feeling like you just want to give up. And this race is long enough that this cycle ends up doing what? Repeating itself over and over again. Even those who have faith in Christ are not immune to the pitfalls of this life. And there would be some who would go as far to say that believers should really kind of expect even more difficulty. Not less. And then there are people who, uh, with us even today, maybe watching a line, who are immersed in some incredibly dry seasons of life right now. And you're kind of going through it. And I think somebody needs to hear this today, whether you're here in-house or watching. Don't give up. Don't give up. Whatever adversity you're going through, don't give up. Let me spur you on a little bit today. King David, he knew a thing or two about adversity. And what does he do? He reminds us in in Psalm chapter 30, verse 5, weeping may remain for a night, but what? Joy comes in the morning. It's temporary. I know how it feels, but the reality is, because feelings are valid but not always accurate, it's temporary. One of the reasons we gather together is to encourage those who are hurting, and we encourage them to keep pressing on, not to give up. And together we remember that that light at the end of the tunnel isn't really a train. I'll let you figure that one out. Our passage from Hebrews says that there are some who have made a habit, a habit of not meeting together. And I know many of you understand the idea of what a, you know, a, 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 the idea of a habit and what a habit is. You understand how long it takes to create a habit and how to break a habit. But I want to take it a step further today. The word translated as habit here is the word ethos in, in the original language. And it also means custom, and it, and it means or uh, the word right, and it sounds an awful like our English word ethic, which is obviously not a coincidence. And the, and the English definition of ethos is a distinguishing character, sentiment, or moral nature, or guiding principle of a person, group, or institution. What the writer of Hebrews is saying is that some have made it their custom. It is who they are to neglect gathering together. As believers, one of our defining characteristics is that we regularly, regularly, that's one of those hard words, that we regular, regularly, I'll get there, meet together. It's a defining characteristic of who we are in Christ as Christ followers. That we meet together. 
And there's, there are, like, I get it, there's many reasons why we need to meet together, and we'll explore several of them over the next few weeks, but I want to be clear about something here right now today. For all of the benefits that we receive for gathering together in fellowship, it goes deeper than just that. We gather together because that's who we are. When adversity comes, when anxiety knocks at the door, when we're frustrated, when we feel down and out and lost, and when we feel like hopeless is creeping in and comes to our doorstep, when things don't go our way, when we're frustrated, confused, when we're angry. See, when we join others in fellowship, in relationship, and we spur one another on towards the love and good deeds of Christ, it's, it's, it's not because we're really cool people. It's because it's who we are. It's what we do. We spur one another on to not give up meeting together. Because it's who we are and it's what we do. And if that's who we are and it's what we do, then we need to do it more, not less. I think I'm speaking to all of us who go, well, I'll be there if I have time. But then that same person is probably going, I really don't feel close to God. I wonder why. We need to do it more, not less. Let me ask you another question. And I want you to use your imagination with this one, just for a moment. If you, if you spent your whole life thinking that you were an antelope, <laughs> or a gazelle, I don't care, you pick. If you spent your whole life thinking that you were an antelope, and then one day you learned that you were actually a lion... Wouldn't you want to start doing all the things that lions do? Like, man, this antelope life is for the birds. I'm king of the jungle now. Wouldn't you want to start doing all the things that lions do? Wouldn't you want to learn about life as a lion? Wouldn't you want to, you know, and as you learned about life as a lion, wouldn't it be reasonable to think that every day you would look, sound, smell, and be more like a lion than you were an antelope? Wouldn't it also be weird to see the same line going back to the animal, uh, antelope life after tasting the alternative, figuratively and literally? I think in the same way, isn't it also weird to see professing Christians behave in ways that seem contrary to their nature? Isn't it reasonable to think that a person grows deep as a person grows deeper in this faith in this relationship with Christ they grow deeper in their understanding of Jesus and that they would want to spend more time with others who believe the same thing it's pretty reasonable and if it's part of our nature our ethos to gather together, then it makes sense why this passage in Hebrews says we should do it 
all the more as we see the day approaching, the day of the Lord approaching. All the more, not less. All the more. I think most of us in this room and watching online would agree we need more encouragement, not less. I don't know anybody that I've ever met all up in this place or online that said, you know what, I have enough encouragement. Pump the brakes, kid. Can I call myself a kid anymore? I think, I think all of us in this room and watching online, we need more encouragement, not less. We need more spurring on. More spurring on to love and good deeds, not less. We need, we need to be more Christ-like and not less. We need to spend more time acting like lions, not less. I'm going to invite the worship team up as we wrap our time up uh, together today. I want to share with you a few verses from Matthew 24. And in this chapter, Jesus talks about the end times. And I want to look specifically at verses 10 through 13. And it says this. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. Anybody seen any of that going on right recently? And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. And because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. Every day that passes is a day closer to the return of Christ. And as Jesus warned, with an increase of wickedness comes a decrease of love for one another. What are we going to let win? It feels to me like we're, we're seeing a decrease all around us in our world every day. Friends, it is so unbelievably important that we commit to meeting together. It is imperative. I've said this from day one since I've been here. This relationship you have with Jesus is not your personal relationship. You were bought for, with a price. You are not your own. This relationship with Jesus is meant to be shared. Shared with others. Lived with others. And it's not a stretch to say that for many of us, and this is the reality, whether you feel this or not, that for many of us, this is a matter of living or dying. We simply cannot stand on our own. We need encouragement. We need to be spurred on. Does a good spurring feel good all the time? Neither does a broken bone being reset, but it's necessary in order for you to be whole and complete.
We need encouragement. We need to be spurred on to love and good deeds. We will not survive in isolation. It doesn't matter. The toughest of the tough, the most introverted of the most introverted, we will not survive in isolation. I'm going to invite you to stand with me. I'm not going to ask you to say anything to your neighbor, but look him in the eye. And I want these words to resonate. As you look them in the eye, think, I need this person in my life. Listen, friends, we need one another. We need one. I need you. You need me. We need one another. We are not designed, we are not created to live in this world in isolation. We were designed, uniquely designed, for relationship. First and foremost with God and then with one another. So in response to this message today, I want to challenge you, ask you to do two things. Just two things this week. One, I want you to commit, commit to building relationships. I want you to commit to fellowship. And you'll be like, hey, PG, how do I do that? No surprise to anybody here, but we have small groups coming up. Creekside Church is going through and going to be in the Word for 40 days because we are ramping up our biblical literacy in this place because who we are and what we do is founded on God's Word, and we got to know God's Word to know God. 40 days. Here's what I want you to do. Uh, sign up for it. Get involved in a group. What's pretty rad is we're doing some groups here on Wednesday night. So mom and dad, drop off your kids at Kids Club and join me and my wife on Wednesday night for a small group. And let's better learn the word together. Maybe you need to take growth track. One, two, or three. That's coming up soon. Maybe you need to join Team Creekside, relationship and serving. That's what uh, helps you put down roots in any community of faith. Maybe you just need to serve. I want to encourage you to get together with other people. Stop isolating yourself. Stop making excuses. You know what an excuse is? You're really just saying, it's not a priority to me. It's not important. Stop making excuses. Get involved. See what God does. See how it transforms your life. See what kind of relationships you build with other people who can spur you on to encourage you not to quit and not to give up. And then the other thing I want you to do as a result of this, I want you to take some time to pray for and encourage somebody else. Maybe drop them a note this week. Hey, you're awesome. Maybe go up to someone after service and say, you know what, can I just pray for you today? Find someone to pray for and encourage. And let's see what God does. Because I believe the most important reason that we gather together is to encourage one another. To encourage one another. To support one another. To speak life into one another.
not because of how cool you are, but because of who Christ is in you. It's not just what we do. It's who we are. It's who we are. So, Father, we are sorry for living apart from the community and unity that you have invited us into and called us to and uh, designed us for. And, Father, we look forward to connecting with others in the months to come. We look forward, Father, to encouraging and we look forward to being encouraged toward the love and the good work that you've called us and equipped us for. And Father, let us be receptive to the spurring on towards the love and give us opportunities to love others because I know it's what we do because it's who you've created us to be. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And if you agree with me, say amen. Amen. Let's worship and let's reflect and maybe take this opportunity to begin to pray for the people on either side of you as Jake and the team leads us in this song.